so, yeah, if you guys want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I mean, well, what do you, well, what do you want to know, Angela? Is there something specific you want to know? Well, you know, I don't, I, I want to hear you talk about, you know, you read a lot of race reports in there. You know, they talk about how crowded it was at the start line or how not crowded it was and how early it was and how they had to, pee. you know, I mean, it's all that stuff that is the same kind of this. And I know that's part of the whole thing, but this has been, you know, kind of a long journey for you guys. And, you know, I know how hard you've worked and, and so I don't know. I, I guess I want to know more about what you've, what you've felt, what you, I mean, I know it's just running, but there's always something more, right? I mean, yeah, there's always things you learn and things you, you know, you start to doubt about yourself or things you, um, you learn or things you realize you didn't take into account or things you thought were going to be important that really weren't all that important. And you know, just, I mean, uh, you know, that morning I was really, uh, I was really questioning why, like, why did I do this? Why did I sign up for this? Cause it was there and I couldn't believe like it was already there. Like the day had arrived and I started to remember, like think back like, okay, why did I want to do this? Well, I wanted the challenge. I wanted to see what I could do. I want to know if I can do this. And But, you know, I was also really excited. And that's the weird thing. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Did I really get excited about doing 100 miles? <laughs> I don't know. But it was, for me, I think I was just more excited to be there and to, be just just be a part of the experience about you melissa yeah yeah i don't like i was excited but just kind of also i i like wasn't super emotional about it on that morning um because kind of leading up to the race well you guys know i had this knee injury like two months prior to the race and I thought I had kind of I got myself recovered from it and then like about two weeks before the race I had this really like burning pain in my ankle that forced me to stop a run um I went into the race feeling like pretty physically and emotionally beaten up (laughs) by it um, just by the training, I felt like I was somehow undertrained and overtrained and injured all at the same time. And I felt like this is really terrible way to go into the race, but you know, what can, like, what can you do? Am I just not going to show up to it? Because I feel like the last couple weeks of training or the, well, even kind of the last couple months of training didn't go like how I wanted to. I mean... I kind of just showed up to it thinking, whatever happens, happens. Like, I I don't know. I just have to try. I just have to try. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I was really nervous because, I mean, all the way to Phoenix, my knee hurt. We'd get out at a gas station and I'd walk around and my knee hurt. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to run 100 miles through this knee pain. Like, what am I doing? I don't know. Um, so I guess that was kind of my mindset um, at the beginning of the race. Just kind of like, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And so then what do you think? Because, you know, people that don't run and people that don't run long distances hear that and think, well, then why did you, why did you start? Why, like, why didn't you pull the plug? I mean, if it hurts that much and it, and it, it breaking you down, why do you do it? Well, I mean, for me, starting up at the start line, I'd already paid for the race. That was like the main thing. Like, and I had family in town. My husband's dad had come from a thousand miles away to take care of my son while we were gone. So like he was already here at the house. Like everything was in place. I wasn't just going to pull the plug on it. We were at least going to go. And I kept thinking, you know, so many times, I don't know if this happens to either of you two. Christina, I think we were talking about this at the a packet pickup. Like, so many times mm-hmm. before a race, like, you'll get some random pain or injury, mm-hmm. right? This happens yes. to me all the time. Yes. But then showing up on the start line, it's like a miracle. It doesn't hurt anymore, and I'm fine. And there, there are so many times this has happened to me before a race. And I think I was trying to convince myself or hope, maybe, just hope that that's what would happen. I would somehow be okay. And I was, like, I, I was, actually, my knee did not hurt the whole time that I was running. My ankle did hurt most of the time that I was running, um, but not my knee, which was the thing I was most worried about. So why do you do it, Christina? Why do I, I, why, why do you do it? I mean, if you, you know, I mean, I, I I don't know, I guess I I, just, since I have not been running as, as much, my perspective, because I, I've had to really struggle to even get run time in right now. And so sometimes when you can step back from something, your perspective changes and so as I'm listening, you know, as I've read your guys' race reports and whatnot, and I, I think sometimes we just rattle off the things that, and I'm not, not to all say that that's what you're doing, but, you know, we, like, we kind of get into our rote statements of what, what, why we do it. You know, it's for the journey, it's for the challenge, this, that, and the other. And, but I, I think that like, I, like with, Melissa, people that don't run, people that aren't in that circle don't don't get it. I think what it first comes down to with me is like every day I thank my lucky stars for all my blessings. And it can be any blessing, like my pillow, my lamp, my phone, every everything. I mean, I don't list the whole, you know, shebang, but things that are, you know, important to me. And I always give thanks for the ability to be able to put my running shoes on 
to go and run, to walk whenever I want to. And it's such an enormous gift to have. And I feel like if I don't do that, because I enjoy it, I feel like it's a waste. Like it's a waste of life for me. And so what I know I can do is, is do what others would love to do and to be thankful that I can do that because, you know, life is short and I want to be able to do as much as I can possibly do. And I don't know if I can do a hundred miles at this point, you know, but I want to try and I want to see if I can do it. And so that's why I, I signed up and that's why I still want to do a hundred miles because I want to know. Can I do it? Do what? And that was one of the questions like I had during, during this race, like even before, am I going to, am I going to accomplish it? Am I going to finish? And when I finish, am I going to be, is this it? Is this it for me? Or is it going to instill something in me that makes me want to do it again? Unfortunately, I mean, if, if you read my report, you know that it, it didn't happen. So I'm, I, that question is still unanswered. I won't know yet. But I, I love the feeling of movement and I love the ability to put on my running shoes, go for a run. I love being on the trails. I love being outside. I love seeing my friends on the trails. And that's what I love during this race is seeing people out there and celebrating what, what we can do, regardless if anybody, you know, whoever finished or not. It was just a really good feeling. And that's what took me out there. And that's what I wanted to experience. And that's what I signed up for. Okay. Before your next hundred miler, write all that down on an index card. And then (laughs) in the morning when you wake up at three and you're like, oh my God, why am I doing this? You pull that out and read it. There's probably some great wisdom in that, really. Like, put it in your drop bag at 60 miles and, you know, know, put it on a wristband or something. I actually resorted to that when I was struggling at the end, like, towards the end. I was like, God, and I always go to this place. I always do in any race. I'm like, do you know how many people would love to be in my shoes right now? (laughs) Like, even if they could run, you know, even if they have this ability – how many people would love to be in my shoes right now, but for whatever reason they can't be? I was like, yeah, you better damn well thank your lucky stars that you can be out here because not many people have that opportunity. So, I mean, for me, I always go into that place and it puts my my day into perspective and it makes me grateful for being in there. I'm grateful for the pain I can feel. I'm grateful being able to, you know, deal with the heat and sweating a storm and getting nauseous. I'm, I'm grateful for those moments. It's just, it's really, it's really weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an odd one with that one, but I mean, that helps. Yeah. You know, I had a colleague one time who wasn't a runner and this was kind of when I started running ultras and he asked me, he's like, why, why do you do this? Why do you want to do this? And I mean, I run because I love running. Like I never, I don't really struggle with the motivation to get out there. 
Like, I just, I, I like to do it. If I didn't like to do it, I would do something else. But for ultras, what I figured out when I was talking to this guy, I was like, for ultras, it takes something more than just liking it, for me at least. Like, <laughs> there's this payoff for me of pushing myself very, very hard and getting to a very dark place and then finding my way out. There's something just very yeah. rewarding about getting to that other side. But it's also, it's very emotionally difficult. I mean, physically difficult, yeah, but mo more, almost more emotionally. And there have been times, um, like right after we moved to Colorado, I, I did a 50-mile race maybe like two months after we moved here. And it had been a really difficult time, like during that process of moving and transition, and before the race, I got really nervous because I was like, I don't know if I'm in an emotionally good place to be able to do this, really, and to be able to go to that dark place. I don't feel like I can. But in that race, you know, I ended up doing it um, and and got through it. Um, but in this race, I also couldn't couldn't get through it. Like I I went into a really really bad place and was was really sick vomiting um and i've always managed to pull myself out of that before but i could not do it this time and i am like afterwards and now i'm kind of having some trouble with that like i feel shaken because i always felt like i could or at least in the past i've been able to pull myself out of that and this time just could not do it It's really hard. Like these races, I mean, you talk about the emotional aspect, but yeah, mentally, I think it's probably harder mentally than it is physically. For me, it was. I mean, I went into this race in a pretty, like, because you're negative I, spot, angry, negative spot. Um, and I, like, I did have my, I did have some pain, some trouble with my ankle pretty much the entire race um, that I, I made it like 65 miles or something. And that was one thing. Like it was pain. It was just pain. I was just dealing with it. But I started getting nauseous around mile 35 and what? So I quit at mile 65. So for 30 miles, which took me like eight hours, I was nauseated and throwing up. And I just like, I lost my mind. I still had time left on yeah. the clock, but like I was gone. I was done. And it wasn't because my ankle hurt. I could have pushed myself through the ankle pain, but I was just like, get me off the boat. I am done with this nausea and throwing up. I, I can't deal with it anymore. And I was like, I was empty too. Cause you were what? You were fine right when I saw you. Okay, so right? <laughs> I saw you. That was like around mile 47 or 50 or something for me. It was like shortly. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. Like that was the only time in the race when I felt good. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> she looks so strong. Like I'm coming out of the tent. Like I'm literally like a few, a couple miles after I left because I was pretty sick at, at that point because I had just left Jackass. And I, so I was still pretty, pretty in bad shape. So when I saw Melissa and I just saw her running up, she's like, hey, I, I was like, oh my God, 
hugged. I saw Melissa. And we hugged. And it was great. And then we left. And, and I asked you, I remember, you know, how you're feeling. And you said your knee was fine, but your your ankle was giving you trouble. And you were with your, your friend, Zach, there. And I think he started my, my new suffering best friend. some, like, cramps or something <laughs> right, right when he was standing there. <laughs> your new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and. And then, I mean, you look strong. You look so strong. And then when we left, I was like, dang, you know. And I wanted to tell you this so badly, and I think I told you this when we finished, but I said, I knew it. I was going to tell you. I was like, it's sub-24. I just <laughs> knew it. Because she literally, I mean, Angela, Melissa just looks so strong. And you've done races with her. And I was just like, oh, my God, that girl is just, you know, kicking ass right now. And then here's me feeling like shit at this point. And I was like, oh, my God. I just felt so that I was like oh my god and at that point, my race was just sort of like I feel so defeated oh my gosh you look so great and here I am just struggling it was horrible I was in a dark place even oh. right at that point well you didn't <laughs> seem like you were in a dark place because you were smiling I can, <laughs> I can hide it very well when I can flip the switch I can flip the switch no I, I had <laughs> sort of like Oh, the campfire. Oh, my God, it's smiling. Yeah, I had been, like, so I had been about 10 miles probably of nausea and not able to eat. Yeah, for probably at least 10 miles by that time. And I had been, like, bad, bad. But I kind of, like, I don't know what it was. I think it was seeing you, Christina. I was like, I have ridden the wave. I have ridden the (laughs) wave. I'm out of the dark. I'm into the light. I'm gonna and like I was so happy. Angela, Angela, <laughs> Angela, this is what Melissa tells me. She says, "Oh my God, I died twice. <laughs> I did. I already died twice. I died twice, and I had that was like I came back to life at the moment that I saw yeah. you, and I was so, I was like so proud of us and so happy. I was like, we are doing this. We're gonna do this because I had been doubting. Like by mile twenty, I was doubting you did what. That. By mile 20, I was doubting that I would finish because my ankle was hurting so bad. And I was still able to eat and drink at that point, but I was having real doubts about, okay, if my ankle is hurting and I have 80 miles to go, like, what's going to happen? I don't know. And then, you know, that was one time that I died, I guess. And then, like, the (laughs) nausea started. But, yeah, like, right when I saw you, I was coming back. But the thing is, yeah, you're right. Jackass was, like, two miles away from that point where we saw each other. And by the time I walked into Jackass, I was sobbing hysterically. Oh, my gosh. And this guy asked me, he's like, what What do you need? What do you need? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And they, like, sat me down in a chair, and I just couldn't stop crying. And by then it was dark, and I was shaking. And they're like, uh, <laughs> have some orange slices. <laughs> oh. And they, they gave me some broth and they were like, we don't really think you should go back out onto the course like this. Cause I was just like sobbing hysterically. I was like, I'll be fine. And I left Jackass and then I started throwing up. Oh, oh. hope I didn't step on it. You may have, I don't know. I tried oh. to like, I got off the course a little bit, but the thing is like, there were, I expected the course to kind of thin out a little bit. Mm-hmm. There were 
always people around. So like I was vomiting and there were people all around me and I was like, sorry, sorry, <laughs> but it was dark. So oh. <laughs> yeah, when I ran into, I'm like, I got bad water. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about your water yeah, thing. Cause that was a major, major issue. Oh, for you. that was a big issue. It was a big issue. I, I furnished, I finished the first loop and then felt great. I was still, I was way ahead of pace. I was doing so well. I was probably in about a 28 hour pace at this point, which I was okay with anything less than 30. I was okay with. So I, I knew I was a good solid 28 hours and I got in, um, I started the second loop and at that point it was already really hot. Like that second loop was just, that was, that was the worst. So I stroll into, so it's, it's, so this course is clockwise and then counterclockwise. So I started loop two counterclockwise and I got up to that aid station, which was Rattlesnake Ranch. And everything was great. I refilled my water and uh, got doused with it, got ice, got my bandana wet, everything took off. And it was, and I don't even know how much time passed at this point. A few minutes, who knows? Could have been five minutes. Could have been, I don't know how, how long it was. And I took a sip of my water and I thought, what? What? I was like, what is that taste? So I took another sip and I'm like, okay, this tastes funky. Took another sip and I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on with this water? And I just couldn't place it like at first, like I kept sipping it. I'm like, okay, what is this? And at first I thought, oh my God, is it like tap water, like unfiltered tap water? It just tasted like kind of dirty at first. So then I took another sip and I'm like, no, it was like the light bulb just went off. And I said, you know what? It tastes chlorinated. It tastes really, really badly chlorinated and I actually took video of after I I tasted it and I recorded it but I haven't put any video together at this point I put it some together but it's not done yet so at some point I'll do a little video uh, of Havelina but it just tasted so bad and I kept going and I'm like okay well maybe it was maybe it'll just pass maybe it's just a little bit and it needs to just get passed through my pack just you know through the little tube a little bit and it'll be fine. And it came to a point, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't drink this water. It tasted so bad. And at this point, I didn't even know how far, far ahead I am from the, from the aid station. Now, in hindsight, now that this has all been, you know, over, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should just chalked it up and ran back to the aid station and lost all this precious time. But maybe that would have saved my race. Because that right there was a huge turning point. I started walking with this man, Gene, and I was telling him about this water. And he's like, you know, this isn't, that's not good. And I even told him, I want to taste it. <laughs> he's like, uh, no. <laughs> Here, this tastes gross. Try it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, this is a nasty water. Do you want to try some? He's like, uh, No. Not the way you described it. I, I think I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I'm like, I cannot 
I can't drink this water. I'm just going to have to get to Jackass. I'm still going to plug along. I'm like the way I know I'm like an hour away at this point from it. And I'm just going to, I'm going to toughen up and I'm just going to keep going. I can get through it. And he says, you know, do you want some Gatorade? And I'm like, I'm not a big, I'm not a Gatorade drinker. I used to be a long, long time ago, but it's too concentrated for me. So I just, I can't do it. But it got to the point where we kept thinking, okay, jackass is like 10 minutes away or 20 minutes away. And then 20 minutes would come and nothing. And I'm like, okay, it's like any minute, it's any minute. And 30 minutes later, nothing. So I'm like, okay. Uh, He's like, do you want some Gatorade? I'm like, okay. I took like maybe a couple sips of Gatorade and that's all I could muster. I'm like, I can't do it. I just, I, I just can't. It, and plus it's just really, it's so concentrated. There's really no water in it. So my mouth was already dry. I was already nauseous. I was already wobbly at this point because the heat was just kind of beating down. And I said, okay, so just keep going. Just don't fall over onto a cactus. Just keep moving. At least he was there and he, and he kept talking. He says, I'm sorry if I'm talking your ear off. I said, no. He says, but I'm just, I'm just trying to keep you, you know, trying to keep your head, you know, in, in it. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. I said, I'm probably not going to talk, but I don't mind you talking. He says, great. He says, that's, that's my whole, that's my whole, you know, goal there. So he just kept talking, you know, what he does and, you know, um, he's from the area. So, you know, he was talking about the heat and, you know, he just kept, he was very um, supportive, like really. And he kept me moving and we came upon, uh, came upon these couple guys like on the side that they were, I don't know, one of them, they, I don't know if it was like leg cramps, but they were both down and I'm not sure. It looked like one of them was helping the other. So we're like, oh my gosh, people are just in bad shape right now. And then we saw the helicopter going over us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that about? It was like, oh my gosh, are they looking for these guys? So eventually we got to Jackass and it literally took me two hours to get there. And my whole 28 hour pace was, was pretty much gone at this point. And I mean, I just, I could not drink this water. I tried so hard. And then what eventually started happening was my stomach started getting like pains. And I kept asking myself, I'm like, okay, am I doing more harm to my body by drinking it or not drinking it? Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, if I don't drink it, at least I know from the next aid station, I can get fresh water and I'll be able to sit there for a few minutes and rehydrate and, you know, I'll be fine. But if I keep drinking it, am I going to make myself seriously sick? And so when I started having the stomach pains, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this all this chlorine? Who knows? I didn't know. So then when I got to Jackass, finally, it was like this, oh my gosh, beautiful sight. And I could not wait. I was like, oh. And I told, I told uh, Jean, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit here for a while. I don't know how long I'm going to be, but you know, I just need to recover. And he's like, yeah. You know, just take all that time you need and, you know, get better. And, you know, thanks for walking with me. I'm like, dude, I mean, I really had no energy to go any faster than I could. And I even told him, I'm like, if you need to go, go, I'll be fine. So my strategy during that point in that section was that 
it was it, and it was hot. So I was going to slow down anyway, hydrate as much as possible, keep taking, take you know as many calories as I can. That was going to be my strategy. But at this point, that went out the entire window. Like it, my strategy had to switch over to not just getting calories, but rehydrating as much as possible. So when I started getting nauseous and I knew this feeling, I said, I'm dehydrated. So I sat in the tent and I kept drinking water. Luckily, I poured out all my water that I had in my hydration pack and I kept pouring it out like when we were walking. So I thought, oh, I'll just go ahead and water all the plants and, you know, all the dirt and the cactus. So I thought, well, I'm doing a little bit of good for the, you know, the desert. And so when I got there, I, I refilled my pack and I made sure I drank it and it still tasted a little funky, but I think because it was just, my pack was already contaminated with it. So it needed to be flushed out. Um, but I drank it. I got some, uh, not uh, some ginger ale and I sat in the tent with like a dozen other people that were already in there because of the heat and they already had like different causes, like different symptoms. Like someone had leg cramps, people were passed out on the cots, people were dropping, people were sick, people were nauseous. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like a triage. Huh. Like every single aid station was like a triage of people. Cause it was so hot and the, you know, whatever factors are were. So that's, yeah, that water was just, it was so, it was so bad. And I keep thinking like, okay, if I was just able to stay hydrated during that, those five miles, my race would have been finished. I knew, like, I know, like I could have finished that entire race if that didn't, you know, set me back. And was that the only factor? No, probably not. There could have been other things, but I think it just set up this whole chain of events that derailed it like even right now I feel like I could have finished that race if it wasn't for that but you know it it is what it is I can't go back I can't change anything what happened and you know I'll I'll say this that we get a um survey like we you can send off we got this email that said you know you can you can um share your stories, your experience with the race. And I ended up sharing it with, with Aravipa to let them know. Cause I don't even know if anybody else had this water. And I wanted to, I literally want to ask people like, Oh my God, did you get this water? But everybody looked so strong and so good that I thought, okay, maybe it was just me. And later on, I had told my, my pacer, um, John about it. And he suspected that the container that was labeled water, and I had even confirmed with the volunteer just to make sure because there's the, there's blue containers and it labeled it's labeled water, CarboPro, and Gatorade. And I wanted to make sure. You know, I'm always asking, was this water? And yeah, it sure enough, it is water. It says water. It is water. So he suspects that it was probably cleaned out with bleach. Or some other cleaning residue uh, or cleaning solution, and it was not rinsed out properly. And there was still residue uh, remaining, and it got contaminated into the water that I received. Oh, and who knows? Who knows that maybe somebody after me had received it, and 
you know, told them that it tasted weird and, you know, who knows, but me, I know what it tasted like. And I know every other water that I received that whole race, not a problem. It tasted just regular, pure filtered water. It just tasted like water. This was different. This was absolutely different. It was not palatable at all. I just, you, you couldn't, like, I would not even serve it to anybody. It was that bad. And I wouldn't say that just for dramatics, but it was truly just, you cannot drink it. You couldn't. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I try to make the best of it and I try to rehydrate as much as possible after that. But I think I was just so dehydrated at that point. There was just no coming back. Unfortunately, it just, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I did the best I could with drinking the water. That's tough. But that's, you know, like you, we talked about before you guys went, there's always something out of your control, right? You don't, you know, I mean, all the things you planned for, but that wasn't one of them, you, you know? Okay. And so what do you do? You know, what do you do? It's not like you could have changed it or known or... Mm-mm. But you know, like I said, it's like, okay, in hindsight, maybe I should have just ran back. Yeah. What was that, what was that going to, what was that going to set me back? 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10, who yeah. knows? Yeah. I mean, now in I can look at it and say, sure, should have, I should have done that, but I didn't. Cause I, yeah, well, I you're not out in the hundred degree heat either after running 20 miles or 25 miles. So yeah, yeah you know, you're obviously <laughs> thinking more clear now. Well, and the thought yeah. of turning back, I mean, you're probably uh-huh. thinking like, oh, you know, I'll just uh, take a couple sips, you know, it's going to, it's going to get better. It's just like some weirdness with the pack. I'm going to just keep moving. Yeah. And then yeah. The, the farther and farther you get into it, you're like, okay, well now I'm not going to turn around and run backwards for three miles because exactly. <laughs> I might as well just keep moving forward and get to the next aid station. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I must've not gotten water from that container because I, I, I didn't have that, but I still got dehydrated and messed up and couldn't come back from it. Even though I felt like I was drinking a ton and a ton, but for my problem too, like, I know this is an ultra and I know like even the six or seven miles between the aid stations is like most, uh, some ultras have 10 miles between aid stations. Like we knew that going into it um but yeah I had trouble like the six mile six and a half miles or whatever between the aid stations in the heat of the day like it was hard even with 50 ounces of water with you like 50 mm-hmm. 60 ounces of water with you like that was and then it would get real hot and I, I wasn't as great at drinking the water when I was hot and for me I have so I have like a 50 ounce reservoir on my back and then two 10 ounce bottles on my front and the 10 ounce bottles were electrolyte and so I'd fill up Mm -hmm. the electrolyte at the aid station and then I'd drink those right away and then I'd have like five miles where I was running without electrolyte and I'm realizing Mm -hmm. myself now in retrospect like I think that might have been a problem for me I think I needed to have like come up with a different plan um or taking salt pills in between the aid stations instead of just every two hours or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. I just most, 
pretty much every ultra I've ever run has been in the heat. Like I thought I knew how to deal with heat. Mm-hmm. Of course, my last training run before Javelino, it was 34 and raining because <laughs> Colorado winter. But I was like, okay, you know, th- it was one of those things again, like I, I couldn't really do anything about that, about the weather in Colorado. I just like, you know, yeah. to try to get through the heat, try to stay hydrated. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't, I just could not hang on. And in retrospect, yeah, maybe I should have been taking salt pills or electrolyte tabs more frequently than I was. And I felt like I did enough with the salt as well. I, I mean, who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't, I normally don't even take salt pills during no. training or during an ultra, but I was realizing, okay, like this is a hundred plus degrees or whatever. Like I feel, yeah, I'm, I I felt like I needed to, and I felt like I was doing pretty good with that until I don't know, mm-hmm. 30, 35 miles. And then I was like, okay, starting to feel sick, not able to eat food. Okay, let's have some broth and <laughs> liquids. Like, should keep moving forward, but you know, then the panic sets in. And for me, like, I'm realizing it's almost always mile 35 or 37 or something like this is when everything falls apart for me. And when you're doing a 50 mile race, it's like, okay, those last 12 miles or whatever are gonna suck, but it's 12 miles. We've all right. run 12 hard miles before. You can do it. But this was a hundred mile race and the panic starts to set in like, okay, (laughs) I have to go (laughs) 60 more miles feeling like this, 40 more miles feeling like this. Like, yeah. And I just, I, I lost it. And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sat in that jackass for like 20 minutes. 20 minutes, I just saw, time. and it didn't even seem like, I mean, that's, for me, I mean, that's that's a long time to be in an aid station. Like in any, like, you want to be in and out as quickly as possible in any, any ultra. Yeah. You know, the only time that I was, the only time that I was allotting more time at aid station was to change clothes. Other than that, I wanted to grab my stuff, do what I need, be in and out within a couple of minutes. Because I really had no extra time that I wanted to waste. Maybe five minutes tops, but that would have been it. Well, I, 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 I lost, said, like... Prefer. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I mean, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I kept losing time after that. Yeah, and it, I didn't plan on spending time at the aid stations either, but I kind of also underestimated how crowded they were going to be because like the first time the first a station was only four miles into the race or something and i didn't really stop with that one and then jackass was like 10 miles into the race and by that point yeah i needed to refill water i needed you know to restock stuff i had to pee by that time and that mile was like a 25 minute mile or something for me and i wasn't resting at the aid station like i literally stood in line for five minutes to use one of three porta potties and it's like you know whatever i don't care but 
this kind of course is not the kind of course where you can pee on the side of the trail because there's no cover. I mean, it's just like completely out in the open yeah. <laughs> like, and there's 600 there's, of your closest friends running with you. So a you... big tall cactus there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, I, I definitely, so I was like, okay, but I really needed to go to the bathroom and, so I was like, I was just, you know, take the time to take care of myself now so I feel better and I'm ready to go. But yeah, I lost like five minutes there and then I stood in line to get water. I'm like, I kind of underestimated how crowded 600 people on the course was going to feel even, you know, by mile 10, it was still crowded. And it, at every state aid station, I kind of did lose more time than I had expected, but it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I tried not to freak out about it because I'm like, whatever, you know, this is a hundred mile race. Like, this is fine. But I never really sat down. When did I sit down? At the time I was crying at Jackass Junction, which was, yeah, mile 50 or something. Mm-hmm. That was like probably the first time I sat. And I don't know how long I sat there. Um, but there was some sitting and crying. <laughs> yeah, j- Second, yeah, second loop jacket that was after that whole water thingy was first time I sat down. And did I sit down at the next one, Coyote? I think I did. Yes, I did. In fact, I sat next to this guy who actually looked worse than I did. Like, he, <laughs> actually. he did. He, his, he actually looked worse than I did. He was sitting, we we're sitting on oh. these little ice chests, and he just had his head in his hand and I was looking at him I was like oh my god and I wanted to ask him did you get that water uh, what rattlesnake <laughs> <laughs> I did not ask him but I was like oh how was feeling and then he's like oh oh yeah no not good I was like oh man and then some uh, one of the volunteers came over and asked us you know do you guys want anything and I was like yeah ginger ale I ginger ale he got ginger ale I drank a lot of ginger ale on the course too. And I, yeah. I've never done that before, but it just like, it sounded really good to me. I love the ginger ale. I love the ginger ale until I switch over to Coke, mm-hmm. but I wanted to wait for the Coke. Like my goal was Coke was going to be at, uh, when it was like midnight to get me. Th- and then I'm going to start Coke and not stop. Like for the rest, <laughs> <laughs> write that on your index card. Midnight, start coke. Don't stop. Sorry, don't stop. Yeah, stop. <laughs> because you know, once you start the caffeine, you got to keep the caffeine going. Because ginger ale doesn't have any caffeine, so I figured I'm switching over to coke, and that's it. It's me and coke. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love the ginger ale. I do. Something about it. It's just very refreshing. I I was loving it this time, too. I've never had it before. But I think, like, I was so desperate for something cold. It just, like, I don't know. The coldness and the zinginess of it was awesome. And Like beer? I did not have any beer. beer. I didn't. Okay, okay, so I'm going to share with you. Angela, I'm going to share with you a, a funny, a funny story. Okay. Good. So nobody, nobody has heard this except uh, Melissa. So when I was in Jackass, uh, sitting there for my my twenty minutes, there was a guy there, and he was doing the race. He was going to drink fifty beers 
I heard about him. Oh, did you hear about him? He at... was all over the Twitter, yeah. Okay, because Mount well, he... Outpost, you know the Mount Out, Outpost that uh, Jamil Curry does? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He So he made this guy jackass of the week. <laughs> so I was sitting there. That sounds fair. And, That's like a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when it's 100 degrees and doing 100 miles, you really want to be drinking only beer. Like he's drinking 50 beers. So I looked over, I'm sitting in the tent and I'm looking outside and this is like all the fun stuff. Like Jackass, if you watch the video of, of Havelina Hunter, they talk about Jackass Junction and it kind of, it does live up to its name. Like it is oh, crazy. Good. I was going to ask it is, you that. It is crazy fun. I, yeah. So I'm looking out and I see the guy sitting there and he has his hydration pack, like the same one, like I pretty much use and all of these cans of beer and pouring it into his hydration pack. Here, my concern is getting fresh water. His concern is filling up his pack with, with beer. But he didn't get bad like, water. He didn't get I mean, yeah. See? But he also didn't finish the race. Oh, I was wondering <laughs> if he finished or not. No. In fact, so that Sunday morning, Melissa and I were all sitting there. And, and I'm like, you know, looking. I'm like, this is the guy. That's the guy right there. And she's like, who? And she's like looking around. <laughs> she's like standing right next to her. <laughs> that one. <laughs> He's the guy that's drinking the beer. Oh my God. But, uh, 50 yeah. beers. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. So he that. did not finish, huh? He was trying to inspire people. See, if he, if he had finished, <laughs> that would have inspired me. Maybe I would have thought that's what I was doing wrong. <laughs> But now I'm inspired to think I will not try that. <laughs> so he has like he's sitting there and he's like has all his beer cans like laid up on the ice chest. Right? So did, did he bring them and, to uh, Jackass or how did he get them there? He had his, he had them in his drop bags. That must have been like a really the, big drop bag. And I hope they yeah. were cold. So he's sitting there and he, he, Justin, the aid station captain comes over and he's like, well, whose beer is this? And he's like, he said something. I don't even know what he had said at first. And then later on, Justin says, oh, this is your beer? Dude, what are you doing? What, what the fuck are you doing in my aid station? It was, it was so funny. It was so funny. But Jackass had this little mirror in the tent. Was really, was, they had this mirror. It says, you're, so you look inside the mirror and there's a sign like right below it that says, you're a mess. Now get out of here. <laughs> oh, get the fuck out of here. That's what it, says, like that. it says, you're a mess. You look like a mess. Now get out of here. Yeah, I'm disappointed because I have been looking forward to like having fun at Jackass. But I never got to experience that because the first time I was there, I spent the whole time waiting in line to go to the bathroom. And then the second time I was there, I felt so awful. Like, I noticed that there were women dressed up as cheerleaders and things. But it, like, didn't have an effect on me because I was crying so hard. And, like, I couldn't enjoy it. And I remember there were lights and stuff. And I just remember thinking, okay... Because at that point, that was like mile 52 for me or whatever. And I was like, okay, I just have to get back to the start-finish area. And then Rob can pace me for the rest of the way. And the next time I see Jackass, I'm going to have fun. And maybe, like, Rob can take some pictures of it for me so I remember this. But unfortunately, that was the last time I saw Jackass. I never got to 
get to see it again. Because by the time I made it back to, well, I threw up, like, that whole way between Jackass and the start-finish area, which was, like, mile 60 or whatever, 61 or something. And then, like, I was just done by the time I got there. Like, I was sobbing hysterically. I sat down in a chair. And Rob's demeanor, okay, both of you have met Rob now, so you know he's, like, really quiet. He's not very talkative. He's just really calm but reassuring. And so he wasn't, like, really talking to me that much because he he had his headlamp on. He was getting ready, and I was just sobbing. And this guy was standing there at the, like, drop bag area. He was waiting for his friend to pace. And he, like, got down and looked at me in the eyes. Like, he put his hands on my shoulders. He's like, Melissa, my name is Dave. Melissa, look at me. I need you to do this. And he was like... (laughs) Oh, I was like, you're going to do this. Things are going to turn around. You're going to feel better. And like, I was just sobbing and I knew that I wasn't going to finish at that point. I knew that I wasn't going to finish. And Dave kept telling me, Melissa, you can do this. All you have to do is walk. And I'm like, but I can't even walk anymore. I can't stop throwing up and my ankle hurts as all this stuff. And uh-huh. like, I told Rob, like, I seriously remember sitting there and I was like, I don't want to have to do a podcast and say that I quit. I I can't, I like, I couldn't, I, I just like was thinking about this and having to record a show and say that I quit. And I just like felt terrible because I knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I knew I was going to have to yeah. tell all of our five listeners <laughs> <laughs> that I couldn't do it. And I, I think that is literally the only reason why I left after 60 miles and we started going up to coyote and the whole time like I was falling off the trail I was like I couldn't control where my body was going I was so sick and so nauseous and (laughs) Rob's like we're just gonna take a little walk just taking a little walk everything's fine (laughs) but that was your wait so you finished three loops and set out on your fourth right yes yeah so So, that's not coyote that's rattlesnake Oh my god, I didn't even know what aid station I was at. No, I thought it was Coyote. No, Coyote is the first one on the counter. On, I mean, I'm sorry, on the clockwise. So you were, at, you were starting it on the even number, so four, which would have been a rattlesnake. So my race report is all wrong. I, I had no oh, idea what, what aid station I was at. It. You can just, just switch it. It's that okay. makes sense because it was different volunteers there than yes. before and I just thought they had well I didn't yeah. I wasn't thinking but yeah we got we got up there and I was t- like almost right before we got there I had like fallen some because it was still crowded <gasps> and that was the thing that was annoying me at that point I was just annoyed with it because there were still so many people on the course and there were 100k runners and I felt like I was constantly having to like get over and let them pass and I felt terrible and I was so unsteady and at some point like there was this guy who was coming up behind me running and I tried to step just to the side of the trail to let him pass and I just like fell over (gasps) like I am on the ground like how did this happen (gasps) and I just like you know, Rob, Rob was ahead of me because the way that we worked it out for pacing was for some reason, I just felt more comfortable with him in front of me instead of behind. I don't know why. I just like, that's how I am. Okay. I think most people do it the other way, but we had, like we had done some night, night run together and practiced it. And I was like, I actually, I like having you in front of me. So 
I can kind of see yeah. where you're putting your feet and, you know, all this. So he, like, <laughs> he didn't realize. And at some point, you know, then he stops and he looks around and he's, like, sees that I'm not moving. <laughs> like, so I finally, like, get myself to him. I was like, I there, I can't go on. I, I, I can't keep going. But at that point, we could see the aid station, which is apparently rattlesnake and not coyote. <laughs> Um, and he's like, let's, we're going to make it to the aid station. And I'm telling him, like, you have to ask them, how do I drop from here? How do I get back? Like, are you going to have to run back and like get the van and come pick me up? Is there any way like I can get taken back? And then by that point I was scared, like, shit, I'm going to, just going to have to walk back down this trail that I've just taken an hour or however long it is to get back up. But I think Rob seriously thought... If I like, they put me on a cot and I laid down, and I think that everybody seriously thought if I just rested for a while, I would feel better. But at that point, mm-hmm. I'd been going for thirty miles without any food. I mean, I'd maybe had like a couple dozen calories during that whole time, just vegetable broth, like Dixie cups of vegetable broth. It had been like I don't know six or seven hours. Like I was literally out and of gas. And that has like no calories. I know. And I just kept hoping with the vegetable broth, okay, I know this has no calories, but it's like electrolyte and salt. So if I yeah. drink this, get myself back in order, then I can eat. And I just, I never could. And I think, I mean, I was just out of fuel. Like I just was completely yeah. unempty and my mind was just gone. Like there was no getting me back. And my ankle hurt and uh, I was just, like bad but the thing is I I wasn't as bad as I have been in some ultras like with the vomiting and being so messed up it was mainly just my mind in such a terrible place and I just I, I didn't care I was like screw the podcast <laughs> I am done but then we waited there for like two hours because so there was another guy who was dropping and he said his brother was coming to pick him up and we could get a ride home with him. Well, we waited for like two hours and I was just nauseous on this cot and still not eating or drinking anything the whole time. And the guy's brother got lost or something and he never ended up showing up. And at this point, Rob says, okay, I'm going to run back down and I'm going to get the van and drive here to get you. It'll probably be an hour. And I was just sobbing at that point because I'm like, if we had known at the beginning, you could have left two hours ago and I would be (laughs) like, I just want to go home. And I was like, by that point, I was cold and I was shaking and shivering. And there was this volunteer who came up to me and he's like, I am so sorry. I can see you're suffering so bad. My truck is right here. I'm just going to drive you back to the start finish area. (laughs) (laughs) Two hours later. I know. Like, he watched me suffer for two hours. And that was so nice of him. I don't even know his name. Like, I was embarrassed. And I kept saying, I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. (laughs) And I just, like, I felt so stupid and so embarrassed. And I was mad at myself for having gone, you know, having left the start-finish area and gone up to this aid station. I'm like, I never should have done that in the state that I was. But, like, I hoped and I guess everybody thought – things would turn around. I would, you know, don't give up. I'm going to feel better. I just need to keep moving. But it was stupid to have tried to continue going to that aid station. And I don't know the name of the volunteer, but bless his heart. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, he got us back to the start, start, finish area. And that was it. 
I was like, I don't know what time it was. Midnight, two in the morning. I have no idea. I was done. I just like, I went into the van and collapsed. Like I instantly fell asleep. I had picked up John like on my sort of third loop, which was about 7.30, I think it was. But I think by the time we got out, I know it was a little after 7.30 because it didn't take too, too long. But I went through, I had to change my, um, I wanted more run goo, but then I had a blister. I discovered I had a small blister on my, on my big toe and it was so tiny that, you know, I thought, oh, it'll be fine. And John's like, no, we got to take care of that now before it gets worse. We got to take care of that now. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had to get that, um, Lance. So I had that done and then I, we filled my water by the time we got out. I don't know what time it was eight o'clock who knows embarked on the third loop and, um, got to coyote station, had broth. Uh, talked to the guy with the short shorts and um, set out. And I don't even know how long we were there. Maybe like five minutes, five to 10 minutes, maybe, maybe less than that. Um, But even before that, so I started having a problem like after, after Jackass, after I had left it and then I got to the coyote, uh, coyote station on my second loop. And I had to go pee, like, really badly. And, you know, like Melissa, there's really nothing out there. And I couldn't find a big and tall uh, cactus, you know, large enough to, to hide me. So I waited for the little porta potty. But I had to go really, really bad. The thing is, and this, I don't know if this is going to be TMI, but this is what happens in ultras. So I want people to know that this could happen. I barely went. So I was like, God, okay, this is really strange. So, because I know that I've been drinking so much water. I'm like, well, no wonder my bladder's full. Of course I've been drinking so much water. And I'm like, okay, I felt relief, felt great. I'm like, but I barely went still. This is really strange. Literally within a few minutes, I felt like my bladder was full again. Like so full that it was painful. So when I'm going... Uh, what is it? Four miles. So four miles between Coyote to to headquarters. I'm still feeling like, oh my god, I have to go pee again. This is so strange. Well, of course I have to go pee because I've been drinking so much water. But the thing is, every time I went, I barely went, like barely. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh. Well, what ended up happening was that it felt so full, it became very, very painful, very painful. And I've never felt this kind of thing before in my stomach, before, like my bladder area. And I'm, I'm asking John questions like, okay, how do you know when your kidneys are shutting down? Because I've heard about this happening. He says, well, have you gone? I was like, well, yeah, but little. He says, I think you're okay. As long as if you're still going, at least something, your kidneys are okay. I'm like, okay. But the problem is my bladder feels so full and heavy and it's painful. So every time I ran, it was, it was like shooting pains in my stomach. 
And I kept telling him, I'm like, okay, I'm drinking water. I'm taking salt. I don't know what's going on. And he's just like, well, you know, you just, you know, just keep, keep moving. We're still, we're still on pace. Okay. We're not on pace. Let's be honest. I wasn't on pace. I was like an hour behind on a 30 hour mark at this point. So at that point, um, between on my, on my third loop between Coyote and Jackass, which is I think like six miles, that was the area that I saw Melissa the second time or the first time. So I kept telling him, I'm like, I should be seeing, at this point it's pitch black out there. It's, it's complete darkness. And I said, I should be seeing Melissa around this, this area because I saw her around here on my second loop. So we would still see people and, you know, John, John is great. So at this point I was tired. I was, I was just feeling really bad. My toe was stinging and I was just not in a good place. Mm -hmm. So, and I did my best to like say good job because, you know, that's courtesy and you're always looking out for your fellow runners and you want to give them encouragement as much as possible because even if you're not feeling it, you got to, you got to shell that out for other people good job, good work, you know, whatever. And I, I got to the point where I was like, (laughs) that's when you asked John to be the one. And I didn't want to look up. I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even have to ask him. This is how John is. He was saying, hello. Hello, good job to everybody. I mean, he just said it to everybody. And I was like, great. He is the voice for both of us because at this point, <laughs> and he was talking to me and I, and I feel bad because I just, I'm not in this place. Like, I just, I don't want to talk. And it, later on, after the end, there's this little bridge, like after Rattlesnake to, uh, to headquarters, there's this little bridge and he's like, oh, let's dance. I'm like, John, no, I'm not, I'm not dancing. I am not dancing. I'm not in the mood to be dancing. And this is already at the end. But between that coyote and rattlesnake, I mean, sorry, coyote and jackass, I said, you know, John, we should still be, we, we should see Melissa at this point. And he's like, huh. He's like, well, maybe we missed her. I'm like, well, how could we miss her? You know, because, you know, maybe I was, you know, I was used the, the porta potty at, at headquarters. I got my blister taken care of. He says, probably in that point. I was like, well, okay, but I still would have seen her come back this way. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll see her later. So people would, you know, it was dark, but I could still pick out people. Although I did almost miss uh, one runner, but anyway, he called out my name. Jimmy Dean had called out my name and I was like, who's that? So he's like, oh yeah. I was like, okay. So at this point, I was trying to in the race I know I'm behind and John's like okay we can make up this time but I I could not run like I could not run and that section between Coyote and Jackass is a lot of rocks like it is the rockiest section and it already slowed me down like both ways and I'm like oh my god and it's dark I can't see I'm already feeling like shit and I just can't go as fast as I want to go I'm just this is not a good a good place for me so I'm like, okay, just keep moving, stay vertical, keep moving, no matter how slow. And I'm thinking about it and I'm looking at my time. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. And I'm trying to figure it out. Okay, I need to get 
there's a, a time limit and the time cutoff is 80, 80 miles at 6 a.m. You have to start your fifth lap by 6 a.m. So I'm like, okay, am I going to get to 80 miles by 6 a.m.? I don't know. I don't have a, my Garmin. It's not on. It's just my clock. Luckily, John has his Garmin. but So he can only tell me the distance of where we are. So I said, you know, John, I said, we're not going to get to Jackass about midnight. And he's, and he's ahead of me. And he's like, yeah. And I said, um, uh what did I say? I didn't remember at this point when I said, I said, so we still need to leave. I still need to do like 19 miles in like three hours, something like that. And he's like, um, yeah. And I'm like, I, I, and I, and I told him, I said, okay, John, you got to be honest with me. Am I going to make that cutoff? Am I going to make that 6am cutoff? And he was just sort of like, you know, quiet and I think he was just kind of trying to formulate his words and what he wanted to tell me and I was just like like he didn't he, he didn't say anything and I could already start my tears to start to well up because I already knew like in my heart I already knew I'm not gonna make this I'm not gonna make this cut off and I knew it I was just like I'm just fooling myself I mean there's just no way there's just no knowing how slow I was going at this point there was just no physical way I was going to be able to night even in the best shape that you know it best feeling like if this was fresh for me there was just no way I was going to do 19 miles in at this point two and a half three hours and it ended up being like two and a half hours after when I left jackass there had been no way so I knew I was like, oh my gosh. And so I said, I, I, I said, so at this point I already found out that there was going to be margaritas at Jackass. I had heard there was going to be margaritas made. And I said, you know what? I think I can go for that. I, I think I'll go for that margarita now. <laughs> I said, I think I'll have that at Jackass. And he just starts laughing. But I, then I just, I just started crying. I just, I just started crying and I kept thinking I had my head down and people were running towards me saying, good job, good job. And I just, you know, and I wanted to look, but I was like, oh my God, they had their headlamps and if they can see my face, I'm totally like all these tears and they see me wiping my nose because I had my Kleenex and I thought, I'm so quiet. I think they kind of gathered that I was not very happy. Like I was pretty upset. So we were pretty quiet um, a lot of the way the last few miles to Jackass. Like, Don and I barely, and he knew, and he knew he, I was upset. And I just kept telling him, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, John, I'm so, and I didn't want to start crying right now because I will start crying when I think about it. Oh, because I just, oh, I just start reliving that. Oh. <sighs> I just I felt so bad. Like I just I just felt so bad at that point. Like I let I let him down. I let people down. Oh my gosh. And I just, I just felt so bad. Like, I just, I couldn't push myself any harder. Mm -hmm. 
and he came out this way to pace me. And he had told me, you know, even before I would have been the third person, he paced to their first 100. And I, I just kept thinking about that. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Um, but I just, I just, I mean, it was just an awful feeling. And I know how Melissa feels. I mean, cause we had, we had talked about it at the end and it's just, it's just an awful feeling at that point. Mm-hmm. And he did his best to encourage me and, and to, you know, keep it positive that that was the longest distance. And he had asked me, he says, you know, what's the longest distance you did? And I said, 50 miles. He says, okay. He says, by the time you get to Jackass, you would have done 52 and that'll be your longest. And by the time you finish, it'll be 61. You would have done a hundred K and that'll be your longest. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I told him, I said, I want to go further. I want to go more. He says, well, we can set out on our fourth loop and then turn around. And then at some point, I just, I couldn't, after Jackass, I couldn't even get myself to get that. I was like, I, 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 I was like, I think at that point, I kind of just checked out. Mm-hmm. And I was so over it at that point. I, I couldn't get myself to go further. And then I was upset with myself for even feeling that way. Like, oh my God, just suck it up. You know, so what? You're in pain. This is this is a, an ultra. This is 100 miles. People feel worse than you that are have gone further. And I would see my friend. Like, I didn't see you, Melissa. And that's when I started to get really worried after I left, left Jackass. Because I was like, okay, I should have seen Melissa at this point. Like, where is she? And I would keep telling John. I'm like, John, something's wrong. Where is Melissa? And I would see, you know, I would see other friends that were coming up. And I said, you know, I know Melissa's fast. And I even said, I said, I know Melissa's fast, but she's not so fast where she, I would have totally missed her at this point because I would see people passing even in the dark. And he's, and at that point he says, you know, I think, I think you're right. Because up until then, he kept saying, wait, we, we, we missed her. We probably missed her when you were in the tent. And I said, something is wrong. I mean, I would have seen her at this point. I know it. And it wasn't until we, we got to uh, to headquarters that um, I didn't see Melissa's drop bag. And I was sitting there. And um, I knew something was off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But, you know, John was great. He, he did his best and I, I couldn't be more thankful for him to get me through. Um, and then he introduced me, luckily for John, he introduced me to Jim Walmsley at Jackass, which was just, <laughs> which is awesome. Okay. So Christina knows everybody. <laughs> you, sure do. you do, you do. You do. And now you know Jim Walmsley. I don't know everybody. I don't know who. We, I don't know what you're talking about, Melissa. Like, the whole time but, I was with you, there are people like, oh, hi, Christina. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's so and so. They're like, oh, that's Katra Corbett. Hi, Katra. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, Melissa, you, you want to meet Katra Corbett? 
like, do you want to meet her? And they're like, I know her. Like, I really know her. It was so funny. She was so, so nice. Yeah. No, yeah. but you, She's... okay, before you get to your Jim Walmsley story, I think you, like, okay, John was so proud of you. You did not let John down. And you, you didn't let anybody down. You went farther than you ever have gone before. And you pushed yourself through some really, really difficult times. So no, everyone is proud of you. I am proud of you. I'm sad that your day didn't turn out better for you. Well, I'm sad I'm yours you. didn't either. I know. When you were wondering where I was, I was face down on a cot. And I didn't even know where I was. I thought I was at Coyote and I was at Rattlesnake. <laughs> I mean, and I don't even know how many times I asked John. I, I don't even know how many times I, I, I told him. I brought you up so many times. And then after I saw, I saw Carlos and then uh, Doyle, I saw Jim, and then I saw Tamara. And I, after I saw Tamara, I was like, okay, something is, is off. And then John was like, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right at this point. I'm like, where's Melissa? I don't even know how many times I said it. Like really. I was, and I was asking Rob too, because I thought, okay, okay, okay. If I have to walk myself back down to headquarters, I kept asking Rob, has Christina gone by yet? Where's Christina? Because I thought if I have to go back down there, like maybe I could go with you. And that would like emotionally, like we would be together and I would be quitting, but maybe that would be the way I could handle it. So I was like, I kept asking Rob where you were too. And I was getting worried too. And meanwhile, I'm sitting back here reloading the page every five seconds. When are they coming in? When are they coming in? Oh, my God. And the first lap, Christina, you're, when you came in on your first lap, it didn't register for like over an no. hour or something it, crazy. And you know what? That's really funny that you mentioned that because um, John and my sister had told me you didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't uh, show up. No, and I'm like, didn't. I know I, I crossed the mat and I even asked the guy, he says, okay, just cross the mat. So you cross the mat and you turn around, like you follow the little chalk. And so you make a little left turn and then you, you go, you know, you don't cross over it again. You just go around it. And I even asked the guy, I says, is that it? He says, yep. It's as simple as that. I was like, great. And yeah, I, took I started off. putting messages into Rob. I like direct messaged Rob. Oh. I'm like, where? Where did he get Christina? it? Did he get it? You seen her? Yeah, he did. He had, and so we messaged back and forth a little bit. And he goes, "I'll go find. I'll go see what I can find out." Aww. And that was so funny because so my he sister. Had, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. He said he'd gone over and he talked to your family. He said he went and he yeah. found your family and kind of told me about what time you had come in. That you know and whatever. She came in around twelve something, yeah. and um. Yeah. Um, so then I at least knew, and then about 30 minutes or an hour later, so now we're like, I don't know, eight, nine, maybe nine hours or something into the race. Then your first loop showed up on the tracking. That's so weird. So I'm like the whole time I'm going, I'm thinking, is something wrong? Something happened to Christina. Oh no. Mm -hmm. What happened to Christina? It's been, I'm like, okay, six hours. No, we're okay. 20 miles. Okay. Well let's, okay. Seven, oh, we're at seven hours. Okay. Well wait, no. We yeah. do five, seven hours. That's thirty-five. I'm like doing all the math. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, well, when know, I was talking, when I was talking up. to the, I was scared yeah. for you. Well, when I was talking to the the shorty shorts guy, 
um, he had said that his didn't register either. And he was only in the hundred K, but his first loop didn't register either. It was very strange. I'm not sure if there were glitches in the system. I feel like that, Matt, race, the, that race software is, it must be so hard to get everything right. <laughs> like there's oh, always I'm glitches. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was funny because my sister had said that uh, Rob had came over to our little uh, tent. I was like, how did he find you? No, no, he was over there. <laughs> Rob is really good at finding things. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you had given us I directions. Tried- like, you drew us a map to where your tent was. Oh, that's, that's true. <laughs> also, your family oh, is God. great. I loved meeting your mom and sister. They are oh. awesome. They are awesome. Oh, you well, they enjoyed you awesome. too. Okay. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm just going to throw out a really side story. Okay, so when we were sitting there on that Sunday, speaking of Rob, because you had mentioned Rob was so quiet, and I know Rob is probably going to listen to this, but... Hi, um, Rob. We love you. Do. And so I think he went to go, they went to go get the pizza, and Angela, I had asked, and you, you've met Rob, but I asked Melissa, I said, Melissa, does he ever get really ragey <laughs> like just really just really ragey and was like no <laughs> no he no. is one of like the most so calmest cool. persons he's I've... like the most even keeled person he i've is? ever yeah. met like there's like he, like i and I, i'm I'm not used to that. I mean, like, there's just, you know, I mean, I went to visit Melissa, you know, I'm like talking and we're back and forth and there's hands flying and, you know, whatever else, you know, and Rob is like this, he just comes in this little wave of calm, you know, and I kind of want to poke, I want to poke him a little bit, you know, or like check his pulse, which would probably be like 35, I'm sure, but yeah, they're about, yeah, yes. just so low key. Yeah. He's definitely one of the most uh, relaxed, chilled out person I've, I've ever met. But that's really, it's really nice. And it's really reassuring and refreshing to have. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is. I love Rob. He's the best. We love but Rob. But I was, like, I was, when I was crying at whatever aid station I was at the end, like, I didn't know what Rob was thinking. Like, I... And I still don't know because we haven't talked about it, but I, I was so worried that I was letting him down or like, I felt bad. Like he thought I should try harder. He thought I should push through this. He thought I was just going through a bad patch and needed to work through it. Like, I, I don't know what he was thinking or if he was disappointed or what. I really don't. Um, but I, I highly, I don't know, but I, I was like, this is not a, like a bad patch. This has been going on now for eight hours. Like I, I'm not coming out of it and I won't come out of it if I'm not able to eat or drink. It's really, it's really interesting that that's the one aspect to doing a hundred mile race is that, you know, in a marathon or 50 miler, it's just pretty much you. And I find in this, new distance it's like you're you're not just thinking about yourself you're thinking about other people yes. like you kind of feel responsible for other people you know you and your pacer and your crew and whoever else is there like you feel res- you know responsible yeah 
And I was like, so, yeah, I mean, all this was going through my mind when I was still lucid enough because this was a big deal for me and not just me, but the whole family that I was doing this because you know how the training was and how long this took and like the time it took to train. And the thing is, you know, Rob's an ultra runner. He runs long distances. He's never done a hundred mile race. He did across the years where he went 112, but I know he wants to run a hundred miler so bad. And I feel like he didn't run one this year, this summer, this fall, because we were putting all of our efforts into me. And I felt like this was Melissa's one chance to be selfish and be the one whose training comes first and be the one who, you know, puts all this effort into it. And I fucked it up. Like, was this my one chance? And now I'm, you know, I had like, I know, I know Rob could go out there and just totally destroy a hundred miler right now. And I know we need to put his training back in into priority but I just, yeah, but, that, that was my bad feel. Like in, in my bad patch when I was still lucid enough to think, I don't want to have to say this on the podcast and I don't want to have blown my one and only chance to do this. But you know what the funny thing that the funny thing is, is that Melissa and somebody told this to me a, a few days after uh, Havelina, literally, uh, let's see, what was it? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. I think I believe it was two, no, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember. He told me that we could do a hundred mile race now. I mean, within three weeks, we're fairly recovered, but we're already trained to do a hundred miles. I mean, we've already done the training and I started thinking about that. Like, oh my gosh, like if I wanted to go out and do a hundred mile race at the end of November, I pretty much could. I'm not sure that I could, Christina, but if you want well, to, I don't think so. I'll cheer. Because <laughs> the way my recovery is going, I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm ready for that. No, I actually but- do feel I do feel good. I, I don't know that I could go out and run 100 miles right now, but I'm, I ran the Tuesday after the race. The race was, oh, yes, I ran oh, it on I- Tuesday again. Like I physically, I felt better after I slept and stopped throwing up and ate. I was like perfectly fine. Well, you know, your, your body is still, your muscles are still damaged. So you're still recovering regardless of whether you feel it or not. Right. Yeah. Uh I do feel more tired. There are still micro tears in your muscle that have to repair. I mean, I mean, two mile run is not going to do anything really. I mean, but still I took eight days to, I took a walk like Friday. I did a little active, just walking, but I didn't run for like, uh, after the Monday, after a week after eight days, that's good. active recovery. That's like Rob's thing. The walking, that's what he does after a race. Yeah. I think that's why he recovers so well. Yeah. I was really tired. I find myself really tired. like drained. Yeah. But just like emotionally, I mean, like both of us, we talked about the emotional aspect of it. I mean, I, I was just like a complete emotional wreck after it, more so than physically, just like, you know, what I was really surprised about, 
I I felt like I was going to have the post-race blues. And a, a part of me, like, I was a little saddened. But I think I was mostly saddened because of the results I got. But I was really surprised that it wasn't a deeper post-race depression that I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. I kind of had the same experience. I think I had my depression during the race, like, all that. Yeah. Crying. And at the end, I was kind of like, you know what whatever like i i did everything that i could and i sometimes go back and question it's like if i had just been able to get some food in me at whatever aid station that was when i was laying on the cot i probably could have gone on but you know what i couldn't i didn't i i did yeah feel like I did give it every shot I could and I don't know like I don't know if I would attempt the 100 mile distance again honestly and and Rob's like you can run 100 miles what we need to do is figure out your stomach like your legs can do it because you've done it before and across the years your legs can do it we need to figure out your stomach and I was thinking in retrospect you know this particular race probably wasn't the best race for me to have chosen because of the way I get nauseous and throw up in the heat. And I've always been able to manage it, but I've been able to manage it in 50 milers. (laughs) It's like, you know what? 50 milers are awesome. Maybe (laughs) I could run 50 milers and like run them well, and that could be okay. Like that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I could, I kept thinking, well, maybe I ate too many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Because I'm not used to eating them all through training. Yeah. Like, I had some training days where I did eat. Uh, I had little PB&J squares with me, and I thought, well, maybe I just ate too many of them. But I kept trying to do the math. I'm like, I need about 250 to 300 calories per hour. I, I don't know. I don't That's know. why I, I think I it just takes, know. like, it's such a learning curve. Yeah. And even with having done, you know, 50 milers or 100Ks, like, there's there's stuff you have to, to learn and figure out. And it's like, oh, you know, PBJs work really well for me. Or maybe they don't work really well for me or what. Like, there, there's a learning curve and you, you don't know. And you have to get in there and make mistakes and figure it out in order to figure out what is going to work. I think, I think that's key. I think that's very important to know. Like when I think about like my first marathon, I mean, there was definitely a learning curve there. Now I know not to wear long pant tights and a long sleeve shirt in 75 degree weather. (laughs) That was just heat training for (laughs) Havelina. 16 years later. I've been heat training for 16 years. I mean, I wouldn't have known that then. Well, it was probably cold at the start. It felt cold to her because she's from L.A., right? Yeah. It was very cold. It was 40 degrees at that start, at that very first one. And to top it off, I also had another long sleeve shirt that I tied around my waist. Wow. So I've learned a lot since then. So I think think this is going to be a learning experience. This is all a learning experience. In fact, I've learned I'm putting water, water in my drop bags. Oh. That I do know. I'm or at least like taste thing. the water before you leave. And then if there's something. I will. I'm it. definitely doing that too. Yeah. I've learned that. I, 
Oh, so here's yeah, what would, is funny. To Something funny, like, okay, the morning after the race, we're sitting there, like, eating our vegan pizzas, kind of bereft, mm-hmm. looking at people come in, the, the finish, mm-hmm. and we're like, we're never doing this <laughs> again. We're never doing this again. And then you're like, well... <laughs> And already start listing <laughs> other possible, like two other possible hundred milers you're looking at. And I'm like, yeah, the- yeah, yeah. And I'm like, we- <laughs> all I could do was laugh. And we're like, okay, we need to go someplace cold. I'm like, Melissa, why don't we go to Antarctica? Yeah. We could do, the- <laughs> we could do the, the desert. I don't know, like, I'm not very good in the heat. I'm not very good when it's really cold. I'm not really good on super technical trails, but I don't like roads and concrete. (laughs) (laughs) What else is there? I don't know. Well, you know, and I felt like I was doing great in the, you know, maybe not as great as I would have liked, but I thought I was doing really well in the heat. I tolerated it so much more than I have ever in the past. Like, I felt like that was the least of my concerns at that point. If I could have just had the water, kept hydrated, poured it over me, I would have been fine. Like, I kept thinking about it. I keep replaying that in my head. I would have been fine. Or at least got through four loops. That's what gets me. That's what I'm angry about. (sighs) It was a rough day out there. That, That drop list was grew every time I looked at it. I mean, it just, you know, 52% drop rate. And there were like very experienced people dropped. It's not like we, you know, I think that kind of helped too. It's like, oh, it was a pretty rough day. Like 52% of the people dropped. Like, yeah. And some people didn't even get through, uh, past their first loop. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. I'm going to give you two, both of my, you know, I always have to give you my bit of wisdom. I'm ready for and it. And listening to you. Lay it on. <laughs> and, <laughs> Did you still want to hear about Jim you know, Wesley? Oh, yes. You, you want your wisdom before. No, no, I'll give you my bit of wisdom when we can finish on Walmsley. Because he okay. probably has better bits of wisdom than I do. Well, at this point, it's kind of a blur. I was so entranced because it was Jim Walmsley. Enchanting, yeah. Tell, tell us about no. Tell us about Jim Walmsley because she's she's got a little little crush well, thing going. So I want to no, hear no. it. Well, just real quickly. Yeah. So we yeah we, oh, yeah just a little. We we waltz into um, Jackass Junction and the party is already going on. Like it is hands down just swinging and happening, and there's people just wandering around sitting there and I'm like, well, I'm going to sit right down. And at first I look over and I see, um, uh, I, I see Jim Walmsley standing there talking to somebody. And I told John, I said, so that is Jim Walmsley. He's like, Oh yeah. I said, I thought I saw him running earlier today. So during that stretch, when I was, you know, dehydrated between, you know, the bad water, the, the bad water section, um, the bad water. That's funny. Um, mm, a little, <laughs> a little slip perhaps. <laughs> so mm. uh, during that section, I saw him right. Or I saw this man running 
and running, you know, towards me. And I was like, I look over and he's just like, you know, very, very focused. And I I told the guy, Gene, I'm like, wow, he looks like Jim Walmsley. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. I mean, he had just shorts on, no, no top. He was topless and his, his cap. And I looked after he passed and I could see his like little, you know, his hair kind of sticking out of his, his cap. And I was like, wow, that looks like him, but he doesn't have a bid number on him. I thought, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's not just somebody who looks like him. And, um, so we walked into Jackass and I told John, I was like, oh, so it is him. So I sit down and, and, um, Jim Walmsley is actually talking to a couple people to my left and I look and I actually snap a photo, but it's, to, it's like his backside. So I didn't really, I didn't post it. It's just there. I can share it with you guys if you want. But anyway, it's kind of a bad picture and you can't really tell it's him. Anyway, so um, I'm sitting there and John is saying, okay, you know, you know, what do you, do you want anything? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. But I said, I need to get my bag. Uh, if you're leaving, if you're dropping at Jackass, you have to play and you have a drop bag. You have to put it in the return to headquarters section because they were going to periodically take these bags and transport them back to headquarters. So when people dropped, they would be there waiting and they were all going to be taken at 10 AM on Sunday morning after the race. So I said, well, it has to get our drop bag onto that section. So John goes, Oh, I'll go and do it. I said, okay. So I'm sitting there kind of just with this dazed look, looking around, you know, I took some video and just kind of just sitting there and deciding, okay, what should I do? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? What am I doing? What do I want? I have no idea. So I look over to my right and I see John with my bag or John actually came back and he had my bag. I said, no, it has to go on the, on the cart or wherever it goes and so he walks back and I see him talking to Jim Walmsley so I'm like looking and then I look away and then I look back and then right when I look I see them kind of like staring at me like looking over at me and Jim just kind of like you know waves his hand and, and I literally wanted to turn around and I'm like who is he waving to then he's talking to John I thought well I don't know. So I wanted to look. I thought, oh my God, is he waving to me? Is that me? (laughs) And I literally was sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Am I supposed to go over there? Or I'm like, I'm really tired and I really don't feel like standing. And I don't have anything. I'm not drinking anything. I'm not eating. I don't, I don't, I was like, I don't know. Oh, and at this point, John, sorry, just before that, John had gotten the margarita. He had brought the margarita. And he drank out of it. And then he handed it to me. I'm like, I'm not drinking that. You already drink out of it. I'm not going to drink out of that. So he ended up drinking it. And John said that this margarita was very strong. (laughs) 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 Like, he was already feeling the effect. So I'm going to put this out there. A lot of people at Jackets at this point were already drunk. Like, full-on drunk. So... I walk, I decide, okay, well, let me walk over there. So I go and, and, you know, meet up and, and I was like, oh, hi, you know, ooh. 
And John had already knew uh, Jim Walmsley because they met at a um, at a, a, a running retreat over the summer in in Colorado. They're in I think it's Durango, Colorado, mm-hmm. and um, Walmsley was there, and so they had met, uh, and so you know he got his insight and and stuff. And one thing that he had, had talked about, you know, running in the heat and. Jim Walmsley, when he's tired, he he tends to mumble to his pacer as a sign that he doesn't want to talk. So I started using that through training. Like I would be joking with with John, like when we when we ran, like when I didn't want to talk, I would start mumbling like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. So he knew that I didn't really want to talk. That I didn't really do that this time. I just stopped talking. So um, John was telling him that you know what had happened you know, my race and I'm not going to make the cutoff. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So he basically knows the whole story now. And Joe Momsey is super, I mean, one of the nicest guys, like he had, you know, you talk about Rob and his demeanor that he was just, he's so calm. He was just like, just kind of liked that. He was just so calm and he was just so relaxed. And he had said, I said, you know, I thought I saw you running earlier. And he says, um, I, he says, Oh yeah. Um, I, I saw a couple of Jim Walmsley's and, uh, today because it was Halloween, you know, people dress up in costume. And he oh, said, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw a couple of Jim Walmsley's. And I said, well, you know, that's that's a pretty big compliment. And I told him about the race and, um, you know, feeling really bad. And he was just so encouraging that he said, you know what? Constant forward progress. Keep moving. You're always going to you're always going to have obstacles in races and tough races. And you learn more from those then you do any easy race. And I kept thinking about, oh my God, he knows from experience. If there's anything, like everything that he was telling me, I felt like he could really relate to. And he says, you know what, just keep moving. Just, you know, basically that was the, the gist of it. Like, this is what I took from it was just like, just constant forward progress. Just keep taking a step, follow one step with another step. And, and that was really the, the, the whole point of it. And it was just like, literally when I talk about when I was just, it's kind of a blur. It is kind of a blur because in my head, I'm like processing, I'm talking to Jim Walmsley and also like, wow, I'm really talking, like he's talking to me, like he's giving me like all this. And I just, I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. What is he saying? Okay. I better pay attention. (laughs) But but he was just so sweet and he kept just like looking in my eyes and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just like, ah. okay, what is he saying? I see his, I see his lips moving. What is he saying? At this point? <laughs> but he gave me a high five and he gave me a hug and he's like, you know, uh, he loves Coca-Cola. Like, oh, he loves the sugar and he brought me Coca-Cola and I'm standing there and he's talking and he's talking about his race and there's another guy that came over and he had jug of like tequila and he says oh take a sip out of this to you know to Jim Walmsley and he he like popped the cork on it and you could just smell it and he's just like oh my god I know what that is he's like no no I'm not drinking that it was so wrong and 
I mean, I was at this point, I was thinking, okay, you know, it's Jim Walton. I think he's probably one of the drunk people. And then I saw Patrick Corbett walking around. And all the music is going on. And just so much stimulation in this one. And I, I don't even know how long I was there. It, it, I have no idea. It could have been 20 minutes. I have no idea. And it was just, it was so lovely. It was just so wonderful. And after I left, you know, John had said, he said, so how was that? I was like, you know what? I feel so great. That was like the best thing. Like that was the best part of my race, like ever. And we're going to finish this. I'm going to finish this. It's going to be great. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, I feel horrible. I can't talk. I don't want to talk. So it was just, it, it was just one of those epic moments that I never would have had, you know, had, had that not happened, I don't think I would have finished as I did. And I, I took from that as just, you know, I tried and that's all we can really do is that we tried, you know, Melissa, we tried, we went out there and we did our best and it didn't turn out for either one of us as great as we wanted to, but we got to that start line, you know, as, as healthy as our body would have allowed us to be, you know, I know you, you had your issues. I fortunately didn't have any major, uh, injuries going in, but, you know, we, we, we did try and I am proud of you and I'm proud of myself as well. It, it took me a while to get there, but cause I kept thinking of as, as being a failure at that race, but we did great. We really did. We really did, you know, give it our all. So it, it was a really good experience. And I know, I know we talked about not doing this one again, but I'm kind of leaning towards it. I'm kind of leaning towards it. I am. I know how I am with DNFs. Like, I feel like I have scores to settle. And every race that I've DNF, with the exception of Miwok, I've returned to and conquered. And I feel like is a loose end that I would like to tie. So I haven't outruled it. Um, I haven't ruled it out to not do it again. Um, I haven't said no. I haven't said yes. But uh, just throwing that out there for you two ladies, you know. You know, it, it, we've been doing this podcast for almost a year now. This month, you know that. Wow. So what's what's another year? <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll keep doing the podcast, but I'm I'm not doing Halloween hundred. <laughs> I'm not going back there. <laughs> I'll cheer you on, Angela, Christina. I did say this. I, I think I told Melissa after this. I said I bet Angela's Angela's going to be happy that she didn't do this one this time. Oh no, it was really hard not to you know as my year unfolded and um you know i mean on it you know there's part of me that you know feels at some point i don't now but that felt jealous you know and um because you guys were continuing to train and my life wasn't going that way this year um and had a little bit of of you know that missing out feeling the day you guys were racing but i just um, uh, you were with us, Angela. Mm -hmm. I I had so much fun stalking you both all day. I just I could do nothing else but think about you guys that day. Um, and I and I just was so 
proud of you. Like I couldn't say enough just thinking about you both running how proud I was of you. So um Thank Melissa, you. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you to not ever, ever feel guilty about being selfish. Because you you weren't being selfish. You you would have done and have done at least as much for your husband as you feel like he gave up for you. And you have an amazing husband that loves you very much. And I can tell you, can just about guarantee he doesn't have one ounce of disappointment in you. He probably yeah. feels more proud of you than you will ever, ever realize. So don't ever feel guilty about, about, about being selfish because he would do it again for you and, and, and you would do it for him. And, and that's, that's important to know you have you have every right to chase your dreams as much as he has the right to chase his don't feel don't feel bad i'm gonna agree with angela the waterworks here (laughs) yeah i'm gonna agree with that and and don't um you you are like christina said i mean we've i've only had the opportunity to run with you once um and um and Christina knows now you look like you belong on your two feet on the dirt. It is just the most natural thing that I've ever seen. Um, and so don't give it up, you know, figure it out. And there's no, you know, if 50 miles is your, your sweet spot, then rock those 50 miles. There's nothing that says that a hundred miles is the beat. You know, it's like when we ran five K's and we thought you had to run a marathon. Well, you don't, you find your sweet spot and be happy there. Cause you, your adorable little self is meant to be on that dirt. (laughs) And and Christina, you, um, it's funny that you said that's what Jim Walmsley said to you um, about, um, uh, and of course now the words are going to fall right out of my head, about um, just continuing to move forward. Tell me what those three words were again. The constant forward progress. Constant forward progress. And you... Um, the first time I ever heard that was from you and I, in my involvement in Twitter and, and learning how to run and you, you were the first person that I ever heard that from constant forward progress. And I, and I thought, oh, and so I think it's interesting then that Jim Walmsley gave you your own words back to you, <laughs> but, um, you are truly yeah. one of the most positive, genuinely positive people that I know. And you, um, you know, maybe you hide it really good, but you, you just always in listening to your report and listening to you talk about it today. And you, you know, we hear a lot. And just like I said at the beginning, you know, a lot of people we spout off, you know, well, it's about the journey and it's about this and the experience and I think sometimes people say those things, but they don't really mean them or they don't, 
they hear it and so they repeat it, but you genuinely mean it and and it's so sincere and it's so refreshing and your energy is just endless. I don't know where it comes from, but it's um, it's just such a genuine passion and I and I love you for it. Um, so if I ever get to run a race with you, um, which might be Javelina because it's still on my list to do, um, I would be honored to run side by side with you for that hundred miles. Okay. Well, if you're in it for next year, I will run it with you. (laughs) I am not prepared to commit to that at this time. (laughs) (laughs) You are the first person I enlisted for this. (laughs) I know, I know. And I, and we're going to do it in our matching watermelon gators. Yes, and Milton and I didn't even take well. We didn't even take a photo of our gators, but I, I, I just want to say thank you, thank you, Angela. I already cried earlier. I already had my little waterworks, but no, it, it, no. it means a lot. It, it truly means a lot. And I am going to transcribe what you said, type it up, and I'm going to keep it with me. Luckily, Always. we've got it on tape. So yeah, <laughs> so you can stop and pause in case, uh, in case you, you miss. You can up. replay it and replay it and replay it. <laughs> by, by the way, Angela, the checks in the mail. <laughs> oh, good, good. Maybe you can use it for my registration fee. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm so proud of you guys. I just couldn't. I everybody I told, I'm like I just super proud of you both for for getting there and it was a hard day it was a hard day out there without a doubt and you 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 did great thank you thank you, you did thank great. you thank you for being there with us yeah. yeah I could feel it I really could yeah I could too I did think about you mm-hmm. a lot well, good. I was tweeting about it all damn day (laughs) (laughs) okay so Havelina 2017 yeah just just putting it out there just putting it out there for some of us not committing it not for others (laughs) give me time Angelo we'll reel her in I know how you are Well, you know, it it was like a big deal. Like we, had, my father in law had to come out and take time off work and watch my kid. Like, I don't know if it's something I can pull off again. Really, you know. I guess Will is just gonna have to go this time. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, I think this is a wrap. It's going to be one of our longer shows. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Thanks for listening. You Thank guys you. Say, say something. 